Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez coming to you from our regular spots at our homes in South Florida and bringing you another edition of Poker Action Line. The World Series of Poker in Las Vegas at the Rio is underway, got underway last Thursday. They're in day five of the tournament, a few tournaments already in the books, and we're going to talk about a few of them tonight. Uh, they're also, I also want to have a little discussion. I don't know what you've heard, Joe, about the dealer shortage, but uh, there's been a few tweets on there. No official word from the World Series of Poker on how they're surviving this, but something we need to uh, discuss, I think. Oh, absolutely. I anticipated this, you know, to be honest with you. So, you know, they, they, they kind of put out a thing where they were guaranteeing a certain amount per down regardless you know, if it came up short. So uh, right there, that let me know that they were anticipating a shortage of dealers uh, based on whatever they're anticipating for, you know, the amount of people that are there. So I'll hear what you have to say about that. Let me yeah. hear what those tweets are. Well, originally there was some talk that there might not be cash games at the Rio, and that would be almost crazy. I mean, you would oh. not want to give up cash games in any shape or form, would you? No, not really. Not really. I mean, you know, unless the the tournament, even with the tournaments bringing in what they bring in, the object of most of these tournaments is to feed, you know, as many live tables as you can because, you know, you're, you're going to be making more money there. Um, so, yeah, that, I can't wait till you tell me what, you, what, what they've tweeted or what's out there. Yeah, it's uh... – you know, I, I don't think that would happen. I can sooner see them do a few things. We'll talk about a couple of the options that uh, they have and what, what there's been discussed out there. But uh, uh, so far, I don't think it's been a major problem. The one comment that I have heard, and, and this won't surprise you at all, is that the majority of the dealers that they do have are very inexperienced. And there's been a, a cry, real cry out there for people, not against the dealers, but to be nice to the dealers. And, and be understanding because they're they're learning the ropes here for the first time out there. But uh, I don't think you're surprised at that at all. Absolutely not. Um, you know, we don't really cover too much of this. I know you've mentioned it in other years where some of the people complain about the dealers. Just the sheer number, the sheer number of people that are out there. And as we've mentioned, you know, you have the Aria, the Wind, the Venetian who hold tournaments, have their games going I believe it was last week, didn't you mention last week that uh, some of these rooms are closing down, I guess, so allowing their dealers to, to, you know, to go and work for these people over there. So That's correct. people have to understand that. Uh, poker players need to understand that. One of the big issues, I don't know if it's been mentioned, obviously because of the inexperience, so mistakes will happen. And the other thing is when they're inexperienced like that, it's a lot of pressure, Dave. You know, people yeah. don't understand that. You know, in a cash game, it's a lot of pressure. I've gotten uh, three new dealers and one that just passed an audition um, the other day. So he's going to be starting in a couple of weeks. He's given his notice. And, you know, rooms here have changed their um, their mindset as to that. Because when you open a big successful room, 
you really want to have, you know, experienced dealers, probably 80, 20, 85, 15 if you can. And then you could put the break-ins, as they call them uh, down here, on the lower limit games, you know. Right. And as they improve, you start little, give them a shot at one down on a bigger game as people see the improvement. And they want to go there because that's where more money is made. Now, you were mentioning real quick about the cash games. If those cash games are affected, that means even more experienced dealers are going to be upset because I don't know what they make during those cash games during these big tournaments, but I know a couple of dealers from down here that work the circuit. Uh, two of them were average dealers at best, and they would be out there for most of the tournament and come back with, you know, Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars made in five to six weeks. The hours that they put in and how many days they actually worked, I don't have that information. But that's a lot of money, you know, right, for right. these dealers. And as a tournament player, Dave, especially with the buy-ins that we have here, as they get higher, if they're using, even if it's thirty percent break-in dealers on some of these tournaments, they get less hands out. And I don't know if you've been at a tournament table where a dealer goes slow or makes constant mistakes, they're pissed off because the blinds, you know, the, the clock never stops. That clock keeps going, and, right. you know, they're getting less hands in at a smaller blind limit. So there's a lot of situations like that, and I'm hoping the the, the staff there, you know, the management staff, uh, you know, explains it to these people on the microphone when they start these tournaments and explains, you know, small house rules that they let everybody know, uh, whether the race line track, if they're playing with that motion, certain things that you always want to let the people know. So for inexperienced players, but you know these people, they you know once it's big money like that, Dave, uh, you know it's hard. You just hope human nature that these people say, hey, this is a a, 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 a year that nothing is really normal. Let's try to be a little bit nicer. And you know I don't know how it's been up till now. I, I'm gathering if they're mentioning that. It's because people are, you know, being what they are, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the guys, or actually it was a uh, news service out there called Las Vegas locally that, that tweeted out, we're hearing that the WSOP only has about half the dealers they need. Well, that's a shock, but again, doesn't surprise me, you know? Some of these people don't want to, you know, deal. They don't want to risk their families. Um, are the dealers masked? Finally, remember they were saying that if they are they vaccinated, like you know, remember the. Big I don't. Th thing? I don't think they're masked because uh, that law was passed by the governor of uh, Nevada that they would not have to do it and have to wear masks. You have to wear them away from the table, but when you're dealing, I don't believe you have to. Okay, and now, they, are they enforcing strictly enforcing the vaccination before they allow people to register and enter the tournaments? Yes, from what I hear, they are. Okay, and because. The other thing is, I, I remember that they hadn't made a decision on dealers having to be vaccinated, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, and if that's the case, if they put that forward, that probably cost them a bunch of dealers also. Right. Well, here's the here's the tweet that I read that uh, basically is kind of the idea going around out there that you need to have some patience. Uh, the one fella, his name is Bet Andrew. Uh, he says, there are so many new dealers at this WSOP. Please be kind and helpful to them. Being a dick is not going to speed anything up or make them better for the long haul. 
nobody could have said it any better than that. Uh, yeah, for they, sure. You know, there, there's just no way. And I'll tell you what, my experience has been, okay, uh, for the most part, if the players kind of work, help work the dealers through these things, you know, um, if they see that something is about to be wrong that doesn't affect information to another player, they could kind of slow them down and make the dealer feel appreciated and not under a microscope that every single little mistake, like I said before, they're so nervous to begin with, you know. So if you make them feel more comfortable for anybody out there listening to our show, you know, and if you've got a nice table, you have no idea how far that will go to make them, right. uh, you know, relax and, and gain confidence going forward because as the tournament goes on, you're going to see a marketed improvement in a lot of these deals based on how many hours they've got to be putting in there on a daily basis. Well, I would think that the experienced dealers would like to would rather deal the cash games because you can make tips there. You're not going to make money at the tournaments because, you know, nobody's tipping you, uh, uh, you know, uh, tournament chips. But, of course, you could get a nice tip at the end of the tournament if someone who wins it or cashes uh, pretty big. You know, there is some money available there. Uh, one of the inter interesting things that I'd like to have you comment on is, uh, you know, there was some talk about, oh, well, they don't make that much money and a lot of people are not doing it. Uh, Sean McCormick from the Aria said, uh, it's really not that bad. He says, I can't speak for everyone, but I don't know a room out here paying less than nine seventy-five an hour plus tips for the dealers. And he said, Nevada doesn't do that. Oh, you work on tips, so we're going to drop you below the minimum wage. We don't do that. But there's also a comment in the same story that said uh, that the, the tip situation is unclear because one poster claimed that there is distrust every year between dealers and supervisory staff over the theft of tips. All right. Well, I don't know how they handle that. They, they went back to, and I'm, I would probably just us doing a little research on each tournament, okay? We know that in the main event, they take 3% out for the dealers, and there's a percentage taken out for the staff, okay? That comes off the 10000 I don't know how far back you go, Dave, but they used to charge, I think it was 10300 to get right, in. Right, I remember that. Was part I, of the fee. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much they, they designated for the dealers' tips, and I think that was a big issue back then because very few people were leaving tips, you know? So now, 3%. Now, again, that creates a very large pool. You know what the entrance is. What has to be watched, you know, uh, to make sure that they're doing this legally is that the downs. I, I, I don't know if you know how this works, but every time there's a down, you know, at the end of the tournament, when the tournament is finally done, and if they do get some extra tips on the side, that's added to whatever money they've put out to the pool, what they then do is add up how many downs dealers, you know, completely right. dealt. Right. You know, how long it took to get the tournament done. And then that is then divided into the pool, tip pool, which then gives you a, a, a dollar amount per down. And then the work goes into, well, you dealt 30 downs, 40 downs, you know, and you're getting that, that – that's the amount that you're getting for that tournament. As we know, there's multiple tournaments. I don't know how they're handling – their scheduling of dealers, if they intermingle between tournaments, it can get a little, you know, a little dicey there. But for staff, you know, 
they can't really steal that money because that, those numbers are published, you know, as far as how many entrants are in there. We always mention it. So it's easy if they're taking 3% in all these tournaments towards the dealer's tips, they know how much the tip pool generated from there. And if anybody leaves tips, I'm sure they'll mention it. Um, and then you have to do that math that I just told you about. Well, and, most of the, most of the rooms I've dealt with have been the downs have been thirty minutes. Is that standard in the industry? That is standard now in the industry. Yes, it's been like that for a long time. Okay. So you're getting two downs. If you remember, I think I mentioned in a few months ago uh, when I guess they were looking for dealers, the WSOP was going to guarantee no less than fifteen dollars a down. Okay, so an hour of dealing is thirty, and you just mentioned their 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 wage is going to be nine seventy five, right? Right. So you're looking at almost $40 an hour when you're dealing uh, tournament poker, okay? And if it happens to come out a little bit more than that, $17, $18 a down, well, there you go. Now, obviously, you want to get into those cash games because I'm sure they're crazy out there. And, you know, you've got so many people from outside the area because as far as I'm, I know, Vegas dealers – for the most part, in most rooms, do not make a great living as far as, at least from what I remember from many years ago, I don't know if that's changed. So, you okay. know, down here, I'll tell you what, I bet you the dealers from down here that and those that moved out to Texas and in California don't want to take that chance uh, because of the amount of money that they're more than likely making at home. Okay. Uh, I want to get to some of the results here. Uh, I will mention that uh, Jonathan Aguiar, who uh, actually left the poker world as a, as a, a pro professional uh, player to uh, go work for DraftKings and got into the DFS business, the Daily Fantasy Leagues. And uh, he said that he heard that Caesars Entertainment had targeted the hiring of 1,300 dealers but could only sign up 630. So that's about half. So we'll see. Wow. Uh, basically, the story, though, is that uh, it's not an announced problem. There's a few rumblings here and there from, from people who, who uh, tweet or post on Facebook that they are a little bit short, that they are a little bit inexperienced, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, so, so far, everything's gone off according to plan. Uh, first tournament started last Thursday. It was the Casino Employees Tournament, and uh, that one got underway uh, early Thursday, it was good planning if they were worried about dealers, be that the only other tournament, since, of course, a lot of dealers played in that event, the only other dealers they needed was for a uh, $25,000 horse tournament, which had like 139 entries. So that was good planning. Are they sitting nine to a table, Dave, or ten? Uh, sometimes ten, sometimes nine, from what I hear. I haven't really uh, seen any direct thing, but I think mostly nine for the most part. Okay, mostly nine. All right, and the only thing I'll ask you once you start telling me this are the numbers of entries, you know, that they have uh, in these tournaments. Like on day one, if they're multiple days, you know, uh, you know, divide that, and you'll know how many tables they gotta have, how many dealers, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> so. Well, there's a, there's a new tournament every day, and usually two new tournaments. So uh, they definitely need the people, no question. Uh, by the way. Uh, the original, the winning winner of the opener event was a poker dealer from Caesar's Palace. Jimmy Barnett was the winner of that one, $500 buy-in. They had 419 entries in that, and 36-year-old uh, uh, from Caesar's Palace uh, dealt that one. 
uh, Dan Dale that one, won that one. And he said uh, he was very happy with the way he was treated. He said, my boss is really cool. He knows I want to play, so we're trying to make it work. So I floor a couple of days to help out, deal a couple of days, and then I get to play a little bit as well. So he won 39000 in his first gold bracelet in event number Good. one. Good for him. Congratulations. Absolutely. Event number two was the horse tournament and had some really big names playing. Uh, the interesting thing for that one was uh, uh, Phil Helmuth made the final table. And uh, the winner was Jesse Klein, also a South Florida player, Chad Eveslodge, finished in fourth. David Benjamin, a famous longtime player, finished Ooh, third. I haven't heard his name in a while. Uh, Benny Glazer was second. Jesse Klein, the winner. And Matt Glantz also made the final table. He finished ninth in that one. But that was uh, that was only 78 players. I said 139. I was looking at another one. But that was 78 players that ponied up the $25,000 buy-in. So uh, first place for Jesse Klein was 552000 uh, What did was... they pay? Uh, the final table only? Or did they go like to... 11 or 12. Nah, that's a good question. I don't have that. I think they paid only the final table, but I'm not sure. Okay. That would make sense, though, right? 78 players pay nine? Well, yeah. I mean, if they're paying 15% of the field and some of the other ones, you know, that's right. why I said that it would probably be in around 12 or 11. But these people with these big money prefer to have a little bigger payday, and I would imagine most of them, <laughs> you know, prefer to just have the final table. Final table was nine or 10? Uh, nine. In that one. Okay. Uh, the funny thing, though, was that uh, not only did Klein win big money and win the tournament and take him his uh, ring, he got to uh, tilt Phil Helmuth uh, with a with a hand during the playing of Raz, and they uh, uh, they had a little story about it that basically uh, Phil had a ten low and the Jesse had a nine low, and then when they exposed the cards, uh, Phil got up, walked away from the table, and was screaming out a bunch of swear words. So uh, didn't hold it against him personally, but probably just complaining about his bad luck. Yeah, I would imagine Phil probably had like a 10-7 low, you know, and probably last two cards he couldn't get anything to get under that, you know, and Jesse was, you know, behind and got there, I would imagine. I'm just thinking if he was that upset about it. So Yeah, right. Okay, the event number three was the COVID-19 charity relief event, the the charity event won by Jeremy Osmus, former November Niner, uh, wins $48,000 for uh, taking down that tournament. They're, they paid out uh, the, the low five in that one. Um, Jesse Lonis was second. Asher Conniff was fourth. Uh, he's been on the show before. Steve Gross, uh, a lot of people familiar with Steve. Was it a bracelet event, Dave? It was, actually, yes. All right, good. How many people? Uh, I have to look that one up. Don't have and what were they doing? Half, how, how much was going to the relief, to the charity, I think, or whatever? I think it was half. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay. Well, that's nice. nice cause. And uh, I don't know what the, Did you mention the buy-in? Oh, forgive me if I didn't hear it uh, for that. What's that? What the buy-in was for that? Thousand. Thousand, okay, yeah. and he got ninety. You said for first. Yeah, forty, forty-eight. Forty-eight. All right, good, good. That's nice, nice payout, and you do something good, generating some money for for a very worthy cause. Now the first big event was the uh, reunion we had talked about a little bit last week. Five hundred dollar buy-in, three opening days, 
and they did almost 13,000 player or entries. I don't know how many players, uh, individual players, but uh, 12,975 played that event. Uh, they are playing day two right now. It went from uh, they had about 2,200 the first day, about 4,000 the second day, and 5,500, I guess, the third day. And then uh, okay. so, how so many they, started day two? 638. Wow, they eliminated over 12,000 people on the on those three first days. Yes. Holy cow! The blinds must have gone very quick, or, or the yeah. Impact was very small. Probably why they generated that. People were probably allowed to re-enter a yeah, couple of times. So probably so. Right. But the um, the uh, the goal was 333 to get down to 333. Uh, but they had they only had 638 that started the day. There was a guy that that had the big chip lead. We had uh, it's kind of funny. He had five million chips. A guy named Robert Brobin. And the one who uh, from the Philippines, who was the leader of day one C, had 4.5 million, and he got knocked out early today. So uh, he had a couple of bad uh, coolers, and uh, just goes to co- show you, you know, if you don't have that. I, I looked at some of his hands, and he looked like he was not a not a patient guy that was chasing flush draws and stuff like that. So I guess it's kind of understandable. Well, he was probably playing very aggressive, got very lucky on day one. I don't know. Do you have any idea, Dave, uh, what the chip stack starting blinds and, and everything on that by any chance? I, I hate to ask you those questions. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't. Sometimes you don't look at those. But, no, I but, don't really look at that. You know, I uh, well, that it happens. That's a lot of chips. Uh, I don't know if you're looking at it now, but, what you know, uh, uh, that tournament has already started today out there. Yeah, the they, started, they started, I think, 11 a.m. this morning, uh, Vegas time. So they've been playing for a while. They're in level 29 right now. I can tell you right now, it's uh, blinds are uh, 120 and 240,000. Okay, and that's now. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're probably looking at least six or seven levels below. I don't know if they're still do if they're doing 45 minutes, an hour, half hour blind structure, but that's pretty good. Yeah, well, they're down right now to 142 players, so they've been playing most of the day, and uh, you know, it's uh, sounds to me like they're kind of uh, you know fairly short uh, levels. Uh, I could, could, could levels, be wrong. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, to get that many people and get those people out of there and going into another tournament and and freeing up those dealers. Think about that. You know, yeah. you said they had 5,500 in day three. Yeah, you're talking about 500 tables minimum yeah. or more. Right. Yeah. So you put a dealer at each one of those, and you said they had 650. There's no way with any of the other tournaments going on that they can do that. You know that I just I don't see that. I I I can't believe that they can handle that kind of field with only 650 dealers, give or take. It's it's just really <laughs> numbers wise. They have to eliminate a lot of people right away to free up dealers for other tournaments if they were right. running another tournament exactly anyway they are playing they're down to one uh one what they say 142 and uh chip leader uh is dave alpha with 13.5 million chips alex vasquez is a distant second with nine million and then there's several players in between eight and nine million down to uh the sixth place player so um, they're moving along and, uh, you know, obviously there's other tournaments you want to get it down to a small field and obviously there's more events still to come. So that's basically what's happening there. 
Yeah, and if they're doing the big blind Annie, which I'm sure they are, you said one twenty two forty right now. Yeah, you're talking you're talking six hundred thousand dollars every round for somebody to put in there. So, you know, that for for the chip leader, you're talking about for one round, you've got about twenty, a little over twenty uh, uh, rounds with thirteen million. You know, right, right. So that, that you got to play, you got to play. There's no sitting back and waiting too much there. No, exactly. Uh, the other tournament that's uh, going to be televised tonight on Poker Go, if you, anybody wants to check that out live or with a – not live, actually, with a slight uh, tape delay, but very minor, uh, is the $25,000 high roller uh, no-limit event down to five players going into tonight. It starts at 7 o'clock Eastern, I guess 4 o'clock out there in Vegas. But uh, the final five players will play for first place. Uh, Tyler Cornell, the chip leader. Michael Liang, second. Jonathan Jaffe, who uh, plays in a lot of tournaments down here in South Florida, um, is in third. Mustafa Kanit is fourth. And Adrian Mateos, the, the player from Spain, one of the very top players in the world, is in fifth place. Short stack of 2.18 million. Uh, Tyler Cornell has 7.455 million. So, uh, uh, Fifth place is guaranteed two hundred sixteen thousand. Top prize eight hundred thirty three thousand. Wow, very nice, very nice. So that was the one I believe that was one thirty nine was the entries, if I'm not mistaken. That was and that one was. I'm sorry. What, what was the name of that one? That's the twenty five thousand uh, dollar high roller, no limit. Okay. Uh, the one I want to talk a little in little depth now is. Uh, the $1,500 Omaha High Low 8 or better. Because I made a comment last week that we had two good friends that uh, play in those events when they can that are both excellent high low uh, players in, in Omaha. And that's uh, Mark Perlman, who I didn't see his name at all, so I don't know if he went out. But uh, the other is Michael Moed, who we've had on the show with his wife, Angela. And uh, they ran the uh, cupcake shop down there near your house in Kendall. And turned into a smoothie shop. I don't know if they still own it or not because I haven't talked with Michael in, in quite a while. But he did play in the event and did very well. Made the final table, in fact. Uh, ended up getting knocked out in ninth place. Uh, made uh, a little over $12,000. So, uh, you know, a nice start to the whole tournament. I'm sure he'll come back and run his business if he still has it. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of his hands, though, since you know him personally, and maybe at some point later on we can talk to him about it. But uh, he was doing pretty well. He had a. I looked when one time I looked he, with, uh, you know, getting down a little bit with a number of players. He had uh, about 1.2 million, and then all of a sudden he was down to uh, 250 thousand. So he okay. was the short stack. He was the short stack at that time. The leader had like 3.4 million. And he got quartered on a tough hand. I want to talk about the hand with you a little bit. Um, the the flop was five of diamonds, six of hearts, nine of hearts. Uh, there was a three bet by one player. Uh, the other player, Carl Lejewski, Cole called from the big blind, and, and Mo had raised all in with his 250K. Um Both players called. So he went to the uh, flop. And they check called to the turn. The turn was a king of hearts. So now there's three hearts out on the board. Uh, but Lejewski folded after the four, four of hearts uh, came out uh, on the river to give the four hearts on the board. 
So he folded. Michael stayed in, and Brooks uh, ended up showing um, Ace King King Deuce two spades. He didn't have a heart, but neither did Michael. So uh, Michael was holding Ace Nine uh, Seven Deuce. So uh, they both had the ace deuce, so they split the low, and Brooks won the high. So he uh, yeah. So Mike got quartered on that hand. Exactly. Uh, he did double up one hand and got back into it a little bit, but on the hand he went out on, he uh, there was a raise from early position from Travis Pearson. Uh, Michael went all in with he had king, two kings, a pair of kings, the six of clubs, and the three of diamonds. Uh, also in the hand was my, was Robert Mizrahi. Uh, Rob Mizrahi had ace, deuce, six, king, uh, two spades. And the other player uh, had ace, deuce, eight, seven, two hearts. So the flop was uh, five of diamonds, four of diamonds, four of spades. Uh, Pearson bet out, was called by Mizrahi. There was a six of spades on the turn, and then there was an ace of hearts on the river. So uh, they basically tabled, and uh, Pearson had a straight and also had a low, and uh, Mizrahi got a slice of it. He got quartered as well on that one, and he as he had ace-deuce, and uh, Michael just couldn't uh, put anything together with his kings and got knocked out of the event. Oh, okay, that's when he got knocked out there. All right. Uh, Rob Mizrahi went on to finish third in the event. Um, kind of an interesting hand that, that knocked him out. Um, board ran out uh, six of spades, ten of diamonds, queen of spades, seven of clubs, ace of clubs. Uh, Mizrahi had uh, king, queen, four, three with two clubs. So he was going for uh, obviously the flush but couldn't, couldn't put it together. He had the second nut low, and he had uh, he was going up against Connor Drynan, who had uh, ten of hearts, six of diamonds, three of hearts, deuce of hearts. So he had the nut low, and uh, also two pair, and uh, knocked Mizrahi out. So he ended up he ended up winning uh, seventy one thousand. Uh, that left the two players left, uh, Connor Drynan, who uh, I looked it up today. I, I had remembered uh, watching him play before many years ago at the Isle, and I looked it up, and it was 2011, which was the very first uh, big tournament, the $5,300 buy-in tournament at the Hard Rock. He won that big one, so uh, uh, made a real nice payoff there, and uh, he, he won that tournament. That's 10 years ago. I was pretty amazed when I when I realized it, but uh, he ended up taking a two to one lead on a on a on a board that had four deuces and two sixes. Um, Pearson had a six. Let's see. I'm gonna screw this up here. Looks like Pearson had uh, ace deuce, and he had a six. So unfortunately, Drynan was holding uh, pocket aces in his hand. Uh, ace ace five three. So even though Pearson had a nice full house, sixes over fours, Drynan ends up with uh, the fours over, or not sixes over fours, I guess fours over sixes. But anyway, uh, Drynan ended up um, winning the hand and uh, had the fours full of aces on the river. So he 
took a two to one chip lead and then they went down one more hand and he knocked uh, Pearson out for the win. And uh, Pearson went all in on the flop holding uh, five, 10 King deuce, two clubs. Drynan had five, six, nine, six with three spades. And uh, the run out went his way and he took home the title. So 163,000. He takes for first place. Michael Moed wins about 12, 12 five, I believe. 12, this, six. 12 I'm six. looking at it right now. They had 607 entries. Yeah, 607. And uh, nice uh, nice turnout there for that. Uh, that's a big tournament. And uh, basically, they're just about ready to do the Omaha 8 $10,000 buy-in event. So that's coming up very in the next day or so. Oh, very good, very good. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at this here. I was seeing this. I saw Robert was in third as you were talking about it. So excellent. So uh, that will uh, move us through five tournaments. Uh, this, the sixth tournament today is the uh, high roller that's going to be on tonight. And uh, the other other big tournaments coming up uh, this week, we'll uh, run down some of those a little bit later on. But uh, um you know, it's uh, it's just fun to watch. You know, the names of people that you know. Uh, I saw that in the reunion, Marsha Wolak was playing and was still alive. Uh, a lot of other big names, but uh, you know, it's a lot of South Florida players made the trip out there. I know that's uh, that's definitely a fact. Right, and uh, what, what I was asking you before, as you, as you were talking, I I was able to get on my phone and look at it. That um, that big one that we were talking about. The levels were 30 minutes day one, and then day two and three were 40-minute levels. Okay. So, uh, you know. How does that affect play? Uh, hold on one second. I'll tell you right now. Let me see what the starting chip stack was. Uh, starting chips was 50,000. Okay. So, you know, they gave them a lot of chips to play, but with 30-minute levels uh, in that first day, and the structure started, one second, I'll look at it right now. Structure started, well, it was only one, two, and they did do the big blind ante right off the bat. It actually didn't get really crazy until you're looking at, you know, level nine, you know, which is 1,000, 2,000, so it's costing you 5,000 by level nine. It's costing you 4,000 by level eight on day one. Um, so, you know, if you haven't made a lot of chips there at that point, uh, you know, you, you gotta start, you, you gotta be aggressive because if you, if you don't build up a big stack early on, well, you know, let me tell you, you, you sooner or later, you're just going to have to pick a hand to get aggressive with somebody, even though it's, it's a nice starting stack, you know, 30 minute blinds is very quick for most of these people. It almost feels like a, um, uh, a turbo, you know? Yeah. Compared right. to it, so um, yeah, you got to be aggressive. You got to be aggressive with those with the, with with those blind structures, especially once you get past level six, seven. If you haven't built up your chip stack there, and if you are a chip stack leader, like that one guy that you mentioned who was a chip leader, um, whatever whatever level, I don't remember. He was probably pushing people around, and people probably just said, "Hey, let's let's rock and roll." And yeah, and he uh, you know got lucky, but. <laughs> Once you're facing people who have the same amount of chips, when you don't get lucky, uh, it's kind of tough. So, well, along those lines, he's actually lost the chip lead. They just went on, got back from a break, 
the new leader in the, in the reunion is Alfredo Pacheco, uh, 15.5 million. Alpha, that was the chip leader with 13.5 million, is uh, actually higher than he was, but has fallen to third place in chips with 14.4 million. Uh, also in the in the top five is Ryan Laplante, well-known player, and uh, you know, pretty looks like a, a lot of uh, no, names that I am not familiar with, but uh, I know Ronnie Barda is uh, playing pretty well with 7.7 million, so he's just outside the top ten. Okay, and let me see if I can see something here that I wanted to check real quick. Um, Joseph Chung all, it just got knocked out, by the way. Okay, let me see if I can get how many people are, are left in that tournament right now. I could tell you that probably. It is 142. They're still saying 142. And yeah, they haven't updated that. Mm-hmm. Started the day with, it says 619. I thought it was 638, but 619. Was, you know, did you see who's Did you see who's got uh, 7.7 million there? That's uh, Ronnie Barda. Yeah, Ronnie Barda. Yep, who's, yep. He's having a good day. He started the day with, uh, I think, uh, 3.5 million. So he's he's having a good afternoon. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, let me see. And the players have come to that. So okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I hit something there. They brought out something on the computer. So all right. Well, that's interesting, Dave. Yeah. I'm starting to get excited looking at some of these updates here, sir. Yeah, it's so. fun when you go through the names, you pick out people you know, whether we've had them on the show or they're from South Florida or just big-name players. But uh, uh, Negranu and Helmuth and uh, some of those players uh, that that everybody knows and loves are, are certainly uh, right in the thick of it right now. Nice to see Matt Glantz out there doing well, too. Yep, yep, it sure is. It sure okay. is. Let's take a break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll look at a couple other things out there and uh, discuss. Uh, obviously, several other tournaments getting set to get underway as well. So uh, when people get tired of the Rio, they got places to go and uh, nice tournaments to play out there. And uh, we'll see what happens with the dealer shortage so far. Uh, not critical at this moment, but, you know, when we get a couple of these big events like the Millie Maker and, and a few others, uh, may not be the same story. Let's take a break here on the show. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Uh, you can always pick us up on SoundCloud, on um, Apple, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Spotify, uh, a lot of great places to get the show. So we hope you continue to do that. We'll be back with more of today's show when we return. Poker Action Line and the WSOP underway. We'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. 
At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. closely the early days of the World Series of Poker, which uh, runs now through November 19th will be the final day. Uh, the main event gets underway on November the 4th, but even after that uh, gets underway and have the big opening days uh, on that one, they w there will be some other big tournaments. So people that got knocked out certainly invited to stick around, and, and most of them will, I would assume. Uh, all the good things that uh, surround uh, Las Vegas we had talked about on the last couple of shows, things to do. Uh, people will have a chance to get away from the Rio for a while. And it uh, looks like this is going to be the last year from what we hear. The Rio will not be hosting after this. We do not know where they will play next year. But uh, we'll, of course, pass that along when we find out. Uh, there's been talk of uh, one of the other Caesars properties, uh, Paris or or uh, some other big ones like that. But uh, things are in uh, constant flux out there as far as the businesses go, and uh, it's really hard to figure out exactly who's going to do what. But we'll be keeping an eye on everything. Uh, but the, the, very happy to see the World Series going well so far and underway. Uh, several other things uh, getting underway. Uh, there's a few online events that they added to the schedule, including the Big 500 that started yesterday. And uh, they will have uh, the Omaha 8 high-low, uh, 8 or better. Uh, starts uh, starts. It actually starts this afternoon, so uh, that will be getting underway uh, as we're doing the show. Also a Super Turbo Bounty Tournament, which starts tomorrow morning. Uh, the heads-up tournament with, uh, I believe they're limiting the field to 64, if I'm not mistaken. And they will be getting underway tomorrow with some of the big names of the game and uh, all kinds of stuff. Seven-card seven stud starts on Wednesday. so uh, They have we'll another one on the 5th for tomorrow, Big Dave. Uh, 
limit hold them for fifteen hundred. That starts also tomorrow. So exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just as a question, remember I said I don't know if they take out for each tournament. The uh, the big one that we were talking about that had twelve thousand nine hundred and something people in it. Yeah. Uh, Seventy three. Well, their prize pool was five million four hundred and forty eight thousand, I believe, four hundred and forty eight thousand. So, the, the if you multiply, you do the simple math. You're looking at about a million was taken out. Uh, you know, I guess for fees or whatever else they were doing in that tournament because. You know, uh, it should have generated a, a prize pool without any fees taken out of close to six and a half million. So, right, they do that for all these tournaments, or else they can't. They can't. Uh, <laughs> they can't get these dealers to do anything. So, exactly, uh, the Millionaire Maker, uh, which starts later this week, uh, I guess on uh, that will be Friday and Saturday. Uh, 10 a.m. both days uh, is the start time out there in Vegas. Uh, that is a $1,500 buy-in. Uh, the flip and go, uh, we talked about that quite a bit last week, uh, kind of interesting and how, as how that would be received. That is this coming Sunday. And then uh, there will be some more mixed game tournaments as well. Um, the ladies' tournament starts next Monday, one week from today as we do the show here. Uh, on the 4th. That'll be on Monday, October the 11th. So uh, a lot of fun. We'll uh, be talking about all those tournaments next week. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, it'll be exciting. I'm going to watch some poker tonight on Poker Go. Going to check out that high roller final table with the final five. And, uh, you know, getting a chance to to see some of these big name players is, is fun. Adrian Mateos is the short stack, but he is probably the best player at that table. And we'll, we'll see if he can make a comeback or not. Oh, that would be nice. That would definitely be nice, man. You've actually got my juices running there, big Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, just to let you know, um, there's also going to be um, world poker tour kicked off last night, Sunday night, the third They're going to show several tournaments, Uh, the Gardens Poker Tournament from California, which actually began in January of 2020 before COVID and was supposed to be played uh, in March to the final table. They have to delay that for an entire year, and uh, they actually played it out in March of this year. They will uh, be showing three-hour-long episodes. They started last week with the first one, and the next one will be uh, this coming Sunday and then the following Sunday. There's other uh, schedules, uh, tournaments on the schedule, final tables, including the Borgata, the L.A. Poker Classic, and then the final one of the four that's scheduled right now is the Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown that just finished uh, back in April of this year. Well, looks like the poker world is trying to get back to normal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's happening, that's for sure. Uh, we talked about the early events uh, and this, in the upcoming schedule. Um, haven't heard too much about what else is very shortly to get underway out there in Vegas, but um, certainly the focus is right on the WSOP right now, and I think everybody's looking into that immediately. Yeah, that's that's the excitement right there, and you know, 
again, you mentioned about how the dealers were. Have you heard about any other hiccups as far as the registration? Some of the low, some of the things that have been the the norm for complaints from these guys. You know, no, not yet. I haven't. Uh, I I tried to stay off Twitter, and uh, not to mention that Facebook was down most of the day today. Uh, after that big story came out in 60 Minutes last night, all of a sudden Facebook and Instagram went offline for like four and a half hours. And I don't know if they were oh. hacked or if it's something they did personally, but uh, big stories on the national news that that was the big news of the day. So we'll see what's happened. The other tournament that got underway uh, yesterday is the Dealer's Choice six-handed tournament. And they got 307 players in that one. They're down to the final 76. Uh, heading into today, it was Nathan Gamble was the, was the chip leader. He is still in second place right now. Joshua Rhodes has taken the chip lead. Ray Henson is in fourth. Ian O'Hara, who is from here in South Florida, is uh, currently in sixth place. And Andrew Kelsall, who we've had on the show, A.J. Kelsall from the Clearwater area, a uh, big Philly fan. And we've had interviewed him a couple of times. He is in the top 10 right now with 175,000 chips. Chip leader has 280,000. Matt Glantz still alive in that tournament. Uh, but the ter- players knocked out. Oh, also John Raisner also doing very well on that one. Uh, Phil Helmuth also still alive. He has 88,000 chips. Andy Block, some other big names. Uh, but just getting knocked out just very recently was uh, Daniel Negranu. And uh, the other one, big name that just got knocked out was Ted Forrest, who we haven't heard from from a while, but uh, obviously out there playing in the major events. So that one's going on. That's event number seven. Uh, event six is the uh, other one that's headed for tonight, and uh, plenty of things still to come as far as schedule goes. Um, this, you know, obviously the uh, the other uh, cash games still going on, and right as of right now, the dailies they call them, four different tournaments that are played every day uh, for non uh, non bracelet events. Those are also underway. Then uh, just about set to get underway, as I mentioned, is the Omaha High-Low $10,000 buy-in. That should be a pretty exciting event with a lot of big names. Anyway, that gets us up to date as far as what's happening in the World Series of Poker. Uh, Other events uh, that are coming up that was just announced that the uh, Golden Nugget, uh, which is normally played in the summer, 50 events, is actually uh, started last week, and that runs through October the 18th. I was keeping an eye on that. Down here in South Florida, we'll have the uh, Seminole Hard Rock Rock and Roll Poker Open in November. And, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of things to watch, and uh, I'll get a good look at what's happening in that uh, brand-new uh, season of the WPT uh, probably this weekend on Sunday. Here's an update on the, uh, the reunion. We have a new leader, new chip leader, Ryan LaPlante, who's one of the big names in this tournament. He has 18 million chips now. He's taking the chip lead. Pacheco second. Dave Alpha is still in third place. And uh, looking down at the other names, uh, actually a fellow named Twanibo, who goes as Twanibo Mai, is his last name. He is in sixth place. So what kind of things are you looking forward to, Joe, as far as uh, if you if you say your your appetite is wet a little bit to see it? Uh, is there a particular uh, – I know you like seven-card stud years ago. You, would you follow that event and, and, and 
watch that a little bit on TV? Well, I used to do that a lot. When we remember when we played our fantasy stuff, yeah, that was a right. lot of fun. We did that for a few years. Um, yeah, you know, when I was really into it, and I again, I loved when ESPN used to do, you know, the, the tournaments that had only ended a couple of days earlier, and stuff like that. And it wasn't just any particular tournament that I looked for. I just liked to see the action when it was like that, and I really wouldn't follow it online just so I wouldn't know what was going on and see some of that. Um, these bigger tournaments, love to see how some of the big names, and obviously with so many different people, you know, growing into this over the years, uh, you know, I, I love to see how the styles have changed, uh, the, the aggression level and all of that, Dave. So I kind of enjoy all of that. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, uh, it's a little bit different. A lot of the same people are still working on air, certainly, but uh, different people producing these shows. Uh, later on, we'll see CBS Sports Network and their coverage of some of these events. But uh, Poker Go, uh, Maury es Eskandar, um, still in charge of a lot of these uh, poker productions. Um, we talked about how... Uh, you know, covering like a main event or a Millie maker or one of those, it's really tough for them because a lot of times they go into tournaments knowing what the final fields are. And it's, you know, they have plenty of time to prepare, but as you move along in a tournament and there's people you never heard of, you're trying to interview them, find out the interesting stories that you can get on the air. It's a real challenge for them out there. It really is, you know, with, and, and like you said, all the human interest stories that we've had over the many, many years. And I know that you asked me about the seven-card stud. That's something I honestly would really like to see because I used to love playing that game, you know. And um, earlier when you mentioned that uh, Helmuth got knocked out in Raz, okay, I read one of his books for beginners, which was actually quite good. Uh, a friend of mine that you guys both know, Paul. And guess what? You know, it was uh, – I like the information that he gave, especially for people who are starting out, because seven-card stud is, is dip, way different from Hold'em in the sense that you have to have a good memory of the cards that have been in play and then people have folded. And those people who can remember those – you know, have a huge edge in those games. And I used to be very good at that. And then we know some, we know uh, Corey Zeidman, who we've had on the show a bunch, is also a, an expert at that game. So, uh, it, it, you know, there is specialties in this uh, game of poker, and it's uh, great to see. It is. I mean, you know what they're chasing. If, you know, you, their hands are reading out, obviously, in seven-card stud, the first two are down. And you're looking at their hands, and if they're chasing a straight or a full house because they're showing a pair, you see what their other cards are. And if you've got the memory to remember, you know, especially from the from the opening round, the people who had folded, you know what their chances are. You know how to put pressure on them and, and see how they react to that. And like I said, that used to be a big thing for me. And uh, a great player down here kind of mentioned that to me when I wouldn't take that into account. You know, I was, I was actually just playing poker and actually being lucky and thinking that I was good. <laughs> and right. and like, like those stories say in car playing when I used to be a donkey. Well, we all started like that for the most part. And, uh, you know, as soon as I was given that information, that just elevated my game to a different level because I had the mindset to remember those cards. 
Right. And yeah, Raz, excuse me, Dave, and Raz has played the exact same way. It's just you're, instead of chasing a high, you're chasing a low. So you're paying attention to all the low cards that are out there. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, a couple of things I want to mention, uh, charity, not kind of charity wise, uh, doing it on their own. Norman Chad, who is still alive in this uh, dealer's choice event uh, with 120,000 chips, he uh, is running a, a campaign to promote for his group called uh, Hope for Depression and uh, to help out people that, that are, have mental health issues and uh, are depressed. Um, so he is uh, selling his turn. He's playing several tournaments. He obviously will be doing a lot of the TV, but he's playing a lot of these early events uh, with a 1.5 markup. And he said the 0.5 is going directly to the charity. So, uh, uh, you know, he hopes he can cash in a couple of these tournaments and uh, back some of these people that are staking him uh, and, uh, and and return some of the money and maybe earn some cash for them. But uh, the main goal is to raise money for his charity. The other one that's uh, doing it, and basically not because he needs the money, but out of the good of his heart, is Daniel Negreanu. Uh, he told people how uh, he was going to take action during the uh, WSOP for fans that want to, quote, take the ride. So he, it's kind of doing it for the poker world. He's bringing his fan base along, and uh, he obviously has some uh, vlogs and different things that he writes a lot of this stuff up. And uh, I don't know what his markup is or anything, but he said, first and foremost, I don't need to sell pieces. I'm not doing this as a business. He says, if I was, I could really make a profit from it, but I don't. He said, I give people a chance to take the ride. Very nice. That is nice. That and is I, guess nice. You can, I guess you can do that on, uh, on, a, on Pocket Fives. Uh, if you check out the Pocket 5 site, you can uh, actually go in and you can follow him along and how he's doing. Um, before, he sold a lot of uh, different packages, and uh, he actually cashed in 16 of the 58 events he played in 2019. So he earned people uh, 168% uh, return on investment. And, uh, you know, he has a different system going this year, but uh, you can find all about that on uh, Pocket 5. So uh, certainly look, looking forward to that. Very good. Very good. You know, I, I was going through the thing real quick. Remember, they used to have like at least three RAS uh, tournaments. You remember, it was a lower level one, a mid-level, and then a higher one. Right. I could only find a $1,500 RAS and then a $10,000 RAS on the 16th of November and uh, the other Raz thing, I think, was uh, middle of middle of. Uh, yeah, I think October. there's just I think there's just two as far yep, as I can exactly. tell. Exactly. So uh, that's something I would enjoy. I mean, I haven't played it in a long time. The site I used to play online, uh, you know, uh, used to be able to get into some of those nice eight sixteen games in Raz, and really enjoyed the hell out of that game. So I wish that was played more often uh, down here in South Florida. I'd I'd have I'd have to venture out and try to play that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the other thing is the reunion. Uh, you know, it's it's just got a cool kind of a cool name, but uh, they are actually using it to try to honor some of the uh, players who have passed away, not just in the last year, but in the last few years. Uh, Mike Sexton, obviously, uh, the voice of the World Poker Tour, is one. Uh, Lane Flack just died recently. Uh, Darvin Moon passed away after his second place finish to Joe Cotta in the 2009 World Series of Poker. Uh, Norm McDonald, we talked about, who has been 
connected to poker for quite some time. And then Sam Grizzle uh, is the other one they mentioned. But, um, you know, they just say, you know, it's one of those things you need to remember some of these old people uh, that were, uh, you know, there. And he said, you know, there's a few things you can always do, um, you know, take a picture um, in front of the World Series of Poker sign with some of those uh, players' pictures. Um, you know, double tap the table when you take a bad beat. Uh, you know, don't shed a tear, they say. Raise a glass and maybe make some of your own many memories and remember a bit of history while you're at it. He said, enjoy. It's a reunion after all. Do, do they, Dave, I don't know. I know you've been out there. I haven't yet. Uh, but I know that in the Oscars, you know how they have a memorial type where they put all the people that have passed away in the, in the previous year and stuff like that. Do you know if the World Series of Poker does that with, you know, some of their, you know, some of the very memorable names that you just mentioned and somebody like Mike Sexton, I personally believe that they should name a, you know, one of the tournaments uh, after him, you know, whatever it is, the Mike Sexton invitation or something, you know, to honor his name with all the things that he's done for the poker world in his lifetime. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know exactly what they're doing this year. In the past, they've had the photos that uh, probably 10 foot high uh, flags that are around the top of the room of former champions of the main event. That was always a cool thing. And uh, I actually talked to a couple of players that were just, uh, you know, so thrilled to see their faces up there. And uh, people would ask them for either selfies or, or pictures uh, with that in the background. So it's a celebration of poker. It really is. I, I love that because, like I said, I remember the first time and the only time I saw Doyle Brunson walking as I was heading towards a tournament at the uh, the Orleans, and I was just mesmerized. You know, I was like, "Oh wow!" And my mouth opened because he was, you know, he, 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 he if he's not the biggest name at least at that time when I was going out there in the ni- late '90s, you know, he, you know, super system. I mean, what else? You know, he was. Tied with Helmuth for many years for the most bracelets. I mean, you know, uh, I was like a little kid, like if I was meeting one of my baseball stars, to be honest with you, you know, one of the sports stars. So they should take advantage of that and maybe even teach some of the younger people who who know, you know, who who should know the people who, you know, laid the groundwork for, for where we are today. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of stuff going on in sports. Uh, NFL season underway. I know you guys are thrilled that the Yankees made the uh, the playoffs and will meet the Red Sox in the wild card. Uh, so I know you got a big week ahead of you. But uh, keep, we'll, we'll talk day. about it a little bit next week. <laughs> I got a big day tomorrow. And yeah. I told all my Red Sox fans, I'm actually – I was disappointed they didn't get the home game, but as I thought more about it, it'll be a lot. E- it'll be a lot nicer if they defeat Boston in Boston. You know, just absolutely. Just, just for my personal taste, I don't know how Joe feels about that. Whatever. Well, you guys, you guys have fun with that. Joe, you got uh, some dad? No, just uh, you don't go Yankees. By the time people hear this, we'll already know the result for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we'll let you guys go, uh, and uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll keep an eye on all these tournaments. We'll give you some results next week, and I'll give you my thoughts on the Poker Goat tonight. We'll see some of that as well. That's going to do it. We'll see you next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. Always something to talk about. The World Series moves on for the next six and a half weeks, and we'll look forward to covering all of it for you. Uh, stick around and uh, join us again next week on another edition of Poker Action Line. 
The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 